0: Hey, John Harris here with the Rock Metal Podcast. Join me as we get to go behind the scenes into what goes into producing records and making music as we interview some of our favorite and soon to be favorite bands. And today we're chatting with Rick Galvez of Malice Divine for fans of Dissection, Immortal, and Skeleton Witch. We'll be chatting about Malice Divine's new album, Everlasting Ascendancy, produced and recorded by Rick Galvez himself. We will get to hear the story about how all of that came to be, how Rick kept his mental fortitude while working on the project, never letting anyone tell him who he is, and so much more. So please stay tuned to the very end. But first, let's check in with our beautiful sponsors. Asher Media Relations, doing public relations for everything loud. For your band needs to be seen and heard in print, online, and radio. Head over to AsherMediaRelations.com. That's AsherMediaRelations.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and get your band noticed. Syndical Music is a full-service agency for musicians offering record label services, marketing, branding, production, and management. Head over to syndicalmusic.com. That's syndicalmusic.com. S-Y-N-D-I-C-O-L music.com. Mention the Rock Metal Podcast and take your music career to the next level. Rick, thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today. Go ahead and say hi to all of our beautiful listeners.
1: Hey, guys. Rick from Alice Savant here.
0: Beautiful. Great to have you on My Good man. So we've got this full album, second album, the sophomore album coming out, Everlasting Ascendancy, that came out in January of 2023 for fans of Dissection Immortal Watain, candra Skeleton Witch. Damn straight. Damn straight, buddy. Yeah. What was the greatest moment for you producing this record?
1: I think just having it, like, just, just done and it's ready to go. You know, just, like, having it fully, you know, mixed and mastered. Because, you know, it was definitely quite a bit of a challenge to, like, get, you know, like, enough funds to get all of that done. So like when it was like officially finished, you know, it was, it was definitely a huge relief and definitely a very proud moment for me. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. You can go back to eating like name brand, uh, mac and cheese, you
1: know, as opposed to, yeah. yeah. Instead of no name.
0: <laughs> Instead of no name. And you're just like, Oh, there can't be a difference between these two different boxed mac and cheeses until you have to go there.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: You mentioned a challenge was to get funds to get the whole thing done. Was that the biggest challenge for you on this record? And if so, what did you learn from that? Especially if somebody listening in is also um, a one-man project.
1: It's hard to say if that was, like, the biggest challenge. Actually, you know, I think it was. Like, um, some of the parts to record were also pretty challenging as well because... I'd say overall this record is a bit more uh, technically demanding than the first one. So that was pretty challenging too. But yeah, just you know, just uh saving up enough money to like, you know, pay for the tracking and mixing and mastering. And then also I hired Dylan Gowan again to handle the session drums. So I had to pay I had to pay him for his, his session drumming. And then also the artwork too. So yeah, there was definitely a lot to cover. So I'd say I think that was probably the biggest challenge, but like, you know, what I definitely learned from that is like, you know, what, well, like, no matter like, you know, how big the obstacles I face, you know, like, if as long as I keep, you know, plowing through it, I keep going, you know, eventually I just, uh you know, it works out, you know, and I accomplish my goal. So, yeah, just keep
0: it. Oh, you know? well, po- well, that's a powerful thing that you said, you know, never quit. What is that saying? Uh, a quitter never wins and a winner never quits.
1: Yeah exactly
0: what was it that kept you going was it just the fact that you know you named a lot of things that were step by step okay we've got to get the tracking done I know what's required there we need to get the session drums done which should be part of tracking we know what to do there I need to get the mixing done we know what needs to happen there was it because it was so clear the steps of what needed to happen
1: oh yeah yeah the, the steps were very clear in my mind of like what needed to be done you know like Obviously, there was, you know, the recording, mixing, and mastering. But after that, I knew how to get the artwork done. And then I had to get merch printed and then, um, you know, reach out to PR, you know. So it was definitely a very clear, you know, step-by-step process in my mind, you know. It's, which definitely, you know, helped uh, me, you know, push through, you know, definitely. So as long as you have, like, a clear, you know, like, vision in mind of, like, you know, where you're going through it and, like, what the steps are. You know, it definitely will help. You know, like pushing through, like all the challenges that come about.
0: Yeah, setting up clear steps to achieve your goal because it's a thousand steps or something or journey of a thousand steps. You got to know what them steps are, baby.
1: Yeah, it's a lot. Definitely a lot, but you know, yeah. accomplish- mm-hmm. Very cool.
0: Who did the mixing and mastering?
1: Uh, for the mixing, um, I got uh, Tyler Williams again. He also engineered. The album too. So he was there for tracking. Um as far uh, as for uh, the mastering, uh this time around, I got uh Jamie King to do the mastering.
0: Cool. Rick, something you mentioned was this was the a more technically demanding record. Did that just happen or was that a conscious effort when you were planning the sophomore release?
1: It definitely just happened as far as like, you know, what I was writing, you know, for the second album. So like maybe a little bit intentionally but i think it's more so just naturally just you know just as you know you gain more experience know, playing guitar you actually get better obviously so i think that's something that really uh you know happened naturally you know for me it's like you know just writing you know more yeah. difficult way you know yeah so i think overall i think it was uh more of a natural progression for sure
0: okay very cool. Um and you also mentioned something that, you know, trips a lot of people out. The the P word. If you practice, you get better.
1: Yeah, you know, practice, you know, can't stay how, how important that is, you know, how very important. I remember like even, you know, for um when I was getting ready to track this album, you know, I I I didn't really have, you know, like much of a social life at all. You know, just stayed home, you know, or just fucking practice, you know, pretty much all the time. You know, I started working, you know, so.
0: Well, I mean, we could bust out all the one-man black metal band jokes if, if you want. <laughs> You're like, what jokes? Just, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, Rick. I'm kidding. Um, Well, something that you mentioned, or not that you mentioned, but something that came up in the EPK was a music degree from York University. Yeah. dut. Because one of the things I noticed about the album, speaking of, you know, one-man band, black metal jokes, it usually sounds like one guy in his basement. And it's hard to describe what that means, but I'm sure you understand. This, however, did not sound like one guy in his basement. It sounded very musical. It sounded like a top-quality production. Um, you know, as far okay. as I get... Yeah, I guess as far as you're allowed to with black metal before it becomes uncool, you know? Did that music degree from York University assist you like i imagine you get jazz or something as opposed to black metal or are they teaching black metal now
1: <laughs> i wish they taught black metal at york um well actually uh at york i did a lot of classical guitar you know so i think um as far as like how that assisted like in my music Malice of mouse divine because like in mouse divine i do do like some classical guitar sections you know so like on uh, this uh, this album, four out of the eight songs had a classical guitar and then and then on the first album, five of the nine had classical guitar. So you know, it really helped, you know, to you know, incorporate a lot of classical guitar like technique, you know, into into my music, you know. And then aside from that, you know, I think there's like some definitely some uh, music theory concepts that, you know. That I learned along the way, you know, that you know, creeped into my songwriting, you know. So I say those were the main reasons how you know it it assisted, like um, assisted my songwriting.
0: I, I heard overheard, you know, the music theory creeping into my songwriting, which sounds like it should. That seems like a natural thing, you yeah. know. You know, like instead of spending your time thinking about which chord should come next, you just know because you know you know the music theory or what scales would work over this chord progression? Well, you know, because, you know, music theory. Is that that something maybe you're self-conscious about? Because I know that there might be some musicians listening in who are on that fence. Do I really need to know music theory? Oh, no, you had music theory creep into your songwriting. Maybe just address that.
1: Yeah, uh, I think uh, music theory, theory is an excellent thing to learn, you know? like I think at this point, since, like, I've become so familiar with it for so long now, like, that, like pretty much a lot that I know about it, like does creep into my side running subconsciously at this point. So I think, um, you know, that's a really good way to go about it. It's like, you know, if you can get familiar enough with it so that like, you know, you don't have to think too much consciously about it. You can kind of just like, you know, play around with like different concepts and stuff like that, you know, and try different things. Cause that way you can be like very creative with it and you don't have to, you know, you have to be you know stuck in in a box of Because, like I think a pretty common misconception that people have you know about music theory is that like you know it's limiting or about like you know it's like a bunch of rules you have to follow. I know that's not true at all it's just it's essentially guidelines you know mm-hmm. and you, you can play around with it you can mix and match you know different things you know there's a lot of room for creativity with uh music theory so I definitely got to recommend to all the songwriters out there. Yeah, if you're on the fence about learning music theory, definitely get into it. Definitely a good skill to have.
0: For sure. Absolutely. Now, speaking of other skills, I want to get into the themes on the record. It says that your lyrics are inspired by psychology, spirituality, and personal experiences involve overcoming obstacles and hardships, which we've actually chatted about quite a bit. We chatted about the greatest moment for you producing this record, Um, you know, having it done and ready to go, getting it fully mixed and mastered in your hands so you can start working on the next steps. Um, and then it was a challenge to get it all done, but you had to find out the step by step, you know, of what needed to happen to overcome those, those goals. So I'm not entirely surprised that that feeling of empowerment came up as a theme in the record, but perhaps talk about this record as a whole. Is there a general theme to this record? Is there a concept to this record? What went into these kinds of themes on, um, Everlasting Ascendancy?
1: Yeah, so I wouldn't say, like, Everlasting Ascendancy is necessarily, like, a strict concept album. But I think, um, loosely, throughout all the eight the tracks, there is, like, underlying theme of empowerment in some sense, you know, in some sense across all the songs. You know, there's definitely some sort of, like, tie into like, you know, personal strength, overcoming obstacles, you know. And just, you know, just essentially just never giving up, you know. So, yeah, it's definitely a very personal record for me. So, like, you know, it's definitely a good outlet for me to, like, you know, just get, get out some of the frustrations of, you know, stuff that I went through, you know, in my life. So I say overall, like, yeah, it definitely is like a underlying theme of, like, you know, strength and empowerment that really, you know, ties, a, ties all the songs together across the entire album.
0: Mm-hmm. I'm curious, um, did you feel at all self conscious about writing on that kind of a personal level? Hey, this is what I went through in my life and this is how I overcame it? Or was it pretty natural for you?
1: Uh, no, I didn't feel so self conscious about writing, like writing about it. Cause, you know, with like lyrics, you know, it's, it's a very personal thing, you know? So, like, and especially with this being like a solo project, first and foremost, you know, like, It gives me even more leeway to, like, write about more personal, you know, personal matters, you know, as far as uh, lyrical content is concerned. So, no, I didn't really feel, you know, self-conscious, you know, writing about stuff like that.
0: Okay. Very cool. Um, Being a one-man band, you get to touch a lot of different pieces of equipment throughout the recording of this. You mentioned some classical guitar. Obviously, there's electric guitar in there. There is bass. You even mentioned vocals. Were there any pieces of gear that you used on this record different from, say, the first record that maybe surprised you?
1: Hmm. Let's see.
0: I wouldn't say there's
1: anything different that surprised me as far as like gear that I use. Um, there definitely uh, was a few different pieces of gear that I use that were different this time around. Like, uh, for example, for all the lead guitars, I use uh, a different guitar. I have a um, a white Jackson Dinky with uh, stock uh, Seymour Duncan pickups. I use for all the guitar solos and lead guitars. Then I got my uh, my charcoal gray Jackson Dinky, which I I use again for the rhythm guitar tracking. And then I used also a different bass guitar uh, this time around. So I used a uh, a four string Ibanez bass, but I bought um, shortly after I I recorded the uh, first album. So for the first album I used um, Tyler's uh, bass, I borrowed his. So I have my own bass, you know, But I was able to use for this time around. Other than that, you know, it was very similar. Like, um, we we tracked um, the guitars through uh, real amps this time. Whereas with the first album, we tracked the guitars through amp sims, and then we re-amped um, the guitars through real amps later. But that time around, it was all just you know straight from the sources, real amps from the get go. So uh, yeah, there was a few things that were a little bit different, but nothing that was like really you know shocking. Just you know, definitely you know just changed it up a little bit here and 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 then, but um, nothing like shocking or anything.
0: Yeah, yeah. I well, mean, we definitely mentioned a few things there. Uh, two different guitars, one for rhythm, one for lead, and obviously we could spend the rest of the interview just talking about you know that. Um, but something that I thought. Was interesting that caught my attention was um, tracking through real amps, and what you meant by that was not reamping, and what ends up on the record is a real amp. It's you plug directly into that amp, you mic it up, and that's what showed up on the record. Whereas last time, recording DI and then reamping, do you yeah. notice? Because there's a debate on on the on the internet that it sounds different. Do you feel yourself that it sounds different taking a DI, running it through an amp versus plugging directly into it?
1: It depends. Cause like, I think, you know, like 10, 15 years ago, it definitely would have been a case that it definitely does feel better. However, I think the technology has gotten like good enough now that like, you know, with certain plugins it actually does feel like playing like through um, a real amp. Like, for example, like, our uh, Neural DSP products, versus software, you know, for um, amp-sims is excellent. I remember uh, we actually, we tracked on the first album, the guitars through uh, Neural DSP software, and it felt fantastic, you know. I have um, the Neural DSP uh, software actually on my computer, and that feels really good as well, you know, so... I think, um, you know, um, amp sims, with how, you know, far they've come, I think they actually do feel pretty damn real, you know, at this point. So, you know, like, I can't say no to, you know, like, recording with, um, you know, amp sims, you know, at some point in the future, you know, because at least that way I can also reamp it through a real amp later, you mm-hmm. know, as long as you have a DI signal. So, yeah, I think AmSims, yeah, they come far enough to the point where, like, yeah, they they can feel like a real app, in my opinion.
0: Wow. Very, very cool stuff. Um, You know, there's always a debate between, you know, tube and solid state, and now everybody's going to a modeler, which technically means everybody's playing through solid state now. (laughs) Right? Uh. Because if it's digital, it ain't tube, baby. I understand it's emulating tube, but, you know. Interesting how they're able to do that. Super cool. Um, we do have enough time. I was gonna ask then lead guitars. You mentioned having two different Jackson Dinkies. What is the difference for you? Is it the rhythm? I'm imagining the rhythm sounds thicker or it sounds lighter. Well, between my two Jackson
1: Dinkies, there's actually two different we have different pickups. So, um, in my white one, it still has the stock, um seymour duncan uh pickups and then with my great my charcoal gray one i actually got um seymour duncan black winter pickups installed so um yeah it just has like a different um different uh, tone to it which works really well for the type of metal that i play so when we were going into tracking the album you know i tested out both my guitars with different amps you know that that we had and then. Uh, then it quickly became apparent that like the the gray one with the black winter pickups was you know definitely like the best one for rhythm guitars, and then the one with the stock pickups was the best one for the lead guitars. Like they they could technically work very well for both, but like just have like that extra like you know notch to like you know to both jobs you know for them. So that's why we decided to go with that.
0: Wow. Very cool. So just testing it out and using your gut instinct and what sounds good is good, baby. Exactly. Okay. More to come, but let's go ahead and check in with our beautiful sponsors. Two Madsen is responsible for producing, mixing, and mastering some of the best metal for over the last 20 years. From Meshuggah to The Haunted to Poison Black, Kemper Profiler packs for guitar players, and Easy Drummer Expansion packs for programming drums. Two Madsen can take your production to a level previously unheard. Head over to twomadsen.com. That's twomadsen.com. T-U-E-M-A-D-S-E-N. Click contact, fill out the info for your next project, and let Two know that the Rock Metal Podcast sent you. Wormhole Death is a modern record label, publishing, and film production company born in 2008. Getting signed to this label means global distribution, publishing, and marketing with Wormhole Death's roster of global partnerships. Head over to WormholeDeath.com. That's WormholeDeath.com. Submit your band and let them know the rock metal podcast sent you. Rick, how would you define success at this stage of your career? And it could be with regard to this release. It could just be your career up to this point in general. That's a
1: great question. Um... I define success, you know, essentially as, you know, just being able to realize your vision, like take your vision that you have in your head and then like, you know, bring it into reality, you know, which is something that I do talk about quite a bit in my lyrics, you know, just the concept of like, you know, just having a vision in your head and then manifesting it into reality, you know, so that's definitely a common theme that, um, you know, appears in my music quite a bit. But, yeah, like, um, that's how I define success, really, you know. It, it doesn't have to be, you know, financial, like, you know, making, like, a ton of money or anything, you know. As long as you have, you know, a vision in your mind and when you make it real, then you're successful mm-hmm. in mind.
0: There's a Drake line that comes to mind. You know it's real when you are who you think you are.
1: Yeah, you know, like, it's, it's all about, you know, bringing the mental into the physical.
0: Which... I imagine you're electric on dates like you just you just say this stuff so naturally. And the girls are just like, he's going (laughs) to he's going to manifest stuff. Um, But how do you get to where you are? Do you have a morning routine? Are there any books that you recommend, any audios that you recommend? Um, Are we talking like Jim Rohn, Tony Robbins? How do you get to where you are, where you're able to speak so clearly about manifesting your uh bringing your goals to fruition
1: yeah there's actually uh one author that i really like um who uh writes about s- stuff along these lines his name is uh dr joe dispenza so i definitely recommend looking into hi- into him he has some excellent books on that you know so he's definitely like you know probably my favorite offer because you know like his his content you know, really you know inspires me and um so yeah like his his work is definitely fantastic um there's definitely some youtubers um that i was really inspired by for names escape me at the moment but there was definitely some really good stuff on youtube you know that really you know seeped into my subconscious mind and really influenced you know like how you know how i think you know about this kind of stuff you know so yeah there's a lot of really good information
0: you know out there you know regarding these topics very cool. Yeah, I just wanted to touch base on that because it's so important, especially, you know, being an artist, putting your stuff out there uh, to have that mental fortitude and that self-confidence. Um, now, somebody you mentioned earlier, and I wanted to jump back to it, was Dylan Goen, and you had met him, I believe, when you were a contestant on Banger TV Shredders of Metal Seasons 1 and 2?
1: Oh, actually, I met him uh, before that. Like, I've known him for a little bit before that because um, before I was... Um, before I did Shredders of Metal, uh, actually, I think it was a little bit afterwards. Um, yeah, I I remember I met Dylan, actually, I think a little bit before um, I did Shredders of Metal. I think maybe a few months before, because he was friends with the vocalist that I was in a band with at the time. So that's how we we, we got um, acquainted with each other. And then um, when I was in my previous band, Astro Picard, he actually filled in on drums for uh, one show that we played. You know, so I got to actually work with him briefly before, you know, I got him on board to play drums for my music with Malice Vine. So, like, I was super impressed by like how fast he learned like the songs with the band I was in before Malice Vine and like how like tight, you know, we played and how tight we sounded with him after only like literally two rehearsals. You know, so I was like, yeah, I definitely have to get this guy, you know, on board to like you know, track the drums that I'm writing you know, for my music. So, yeah, and that's what happened, you know, so, and he did a fantastic job, you know, both times, you know, a fantastic job. He really, he took, you know, the drum parts that I wrote, Guitar Pro, and then he just, you know, amped it up a little bit more with, with his own finesse to it, you know, so I'm really glad that I got Dylan on board both times.
0: Yeah. yeah. Did he then, you mentioned you wrote the stuff in Guitar Pro, um, you know, for black metal, I'm imagining that you had this, like, custom kit with, like, 12 toms and, like, 40 cymbals. But <laughs> did did, he, how did how did the whole thing work exactly? So you gave him sheet music. Did you just give him, like, I don't know, easy drummer stuff and said, yeah, I wrote this in Guitar Pro. Here it is an easy drummer to give you an idea. How did it work? Well, I had all the songs written now and tapped
1: out in Guitar Pro. So as anybody that knows a Guitar Pro, like, it's, it's the software that, like, you type in um, the notation or the tablature. And then it plays it back to you as MIDI. So I wrote all the drum parts, you know, in, um, in drum notation and guitar pro. So it had like that plus all the guitars and the bass and stuff like that. So I sent him, I sent Dylan the guitar profiles and he was able to listen to the songs in MIDI form that also had like the drum notation as well. So he was able to listen to it and then look at the drum notation and then learn the parts that way. And then like, you know, he can, you know, improve on the fills and stuff like that. Like that is all no-touching the fills and stuff. You know, so that's how we went about it. You know, I just, I had all the songs, you know, notated in Guitar Pro. I sent him the files, and then he just learned it over, um, I think, a period of, like, a month and a half, two
0: months, something like that. Wow. Very cool. Very cool stuff. Okay. What is the number one thing you want people listening to the podcast right now to do? And that could be the... Uh, plug, the shameless, utterly shameless plug, that it could even be something spiritual, it could be both, I've had both responses to that question
1: Yeah, actually I am going to go with both, so first of all yeah, definitely follow Malice Divine on, on, uh, not just Instagram but like social media in general, so Instagram Facebook, uh, YouTube Malice Divine is on TikTok now as well, You know, so you can go follow follow Malice Divine on TikTok Um, and also go support Malice Divine on Bandcamp you know, because we got um, plenty of CDs and merchandise like shirts and hoodies and patches on Bandcamp. So, you know, if you support Mouse On that way, that would be fantastic. And then, you know, as far as anything more spiritual, you know, just like, you know, just keep going, you know, just never give up on your dreams and goals. And just like never let anybody tell you who you are. You determine that for yourself, you know. So just keep going and never give up. Beautiful,
0: beautiful, beautiful. Everybody listening in right now, go ahead and go to the therockmodelpodcast.ca. There you'll have all the show notes for today's episode, which will include ways to connect with Malice Divine. And, of course, go to Bandcamp. Support Malice Divine financially. Si vu play, if you please, por favor. Are there any other languages we should use? Um, keep going. Never give up on your dreams or goals. Never let anyone tell you who you are, baby. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on to the Rock Metal Podcast today, Rick.
1: No worries at all. You know, it was a fantastic time. You know, we had a great conversation today.
0: That's it for this episode of the Rock Metal Podcast. Stay tuned because next week we're going to be chatting with Ryan Brooks of the band Sleep in Motion. We talk about seeing yourself as a professional musician, even if it doesn't feel like it right now, as well as using your music to get some things off of your chest. Go ahead and hit subscribe in your podcast player. Share it with your friends, and I'll see you next week.